Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. The power of the story is you can't run from God. He comes and gets you, swallows you with a fish, and spits you up on the shore and says, Now let's get back to where we let's get back to square one. Hello and welcome again to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Bum, 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 bum. This is the last podcast of the calendar year, dun, dun, dun. and I don't know how I feel about it, Troy. <laughs> we did this a whole year. I know. You know, when we first did it, we thought, well, we actually do one or two or three, maybe even four, but here we are. And they're still listening. Yeah. Still, um, still going. At least we have one or two people yeah. who listen faithfully. Astute listeners will notice that this is podcast week number 39, and you remember from elementary school that That's there crazy. are 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. Um, if we you remember, some, yeah. yeah, we skipped some and kind of covered a whole month of reading yeah. in one podcast. In fact, um, I haven't looked at the calendar, but the next podcast will be in January, but we will be looking back because uh, mm-hmm. you're going to say, well, we're not going to finish Revelation on this podcast, right. but we'll be looking back at uh, the remainder of the weeks and kind of summarize everything yep. all at one time. And um, so we'll close out the reading. We did, uh, if you are doing the reading, there is on December 31st, there is nothing to read because it was a leap year and one of us uh, made the mistake of having a February 29th reading and it threw the reading schedule off. It was me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if he wanted to take credit for it, okay, but uh, it was not Daniel. Um, but anyway, we're uh, but we're but we said it's a catch-up day. So if you are just now getting to uh, Exodus, <laughs> you got a lot of reading it's on December thirty first. Yeah, that's right. Catch up. Spend the whole day catching up. Now we've got a great day uh, today. We are looking at uh, we are we're still in Amos, and uh, we got a little into Amos last time, but we're going to finish out Amos. Go to Obadiah, Jonah, and Micah in the Old Testament. Psalms, uh, we're going to be looking at Psalms 140, 142, 143, 144, and Proverbs 29 into Proverbs 30. And for the remainder of our time, we will be in the book of Revelation. So Ayo. nothing like reading Revelation at Christmas time. So it's exciting. <laughs> I'm excited. Hope you're excited as well. We will be back and talk about what we read last week. You know what I'm excited about, though, is that um, at the group of people we had who I, I really was hoping the podcast would help some people go the journey, mm-hmm. you know, and as far as the Bible reading. But here's the exciting part also is if you didn't get to go, we're starting over. Hey. And you can join on. Our and, mercies are near new every January. Yeah. And and crazy enough, there is a, there's a the reality is, is that when we do the podcast for next year, you might say, hey, how can we do it again? You've already gone through the whole Bible. What else is there? But <laughs> but what you're going to discover, there's so much, <laughs> so much. OK, uh, my first thing uh, and what we do during this segment is we look at passages that we have read through in our Bible reading. 
uh, and uh, and then we we things we that stuck out to us. I, I think when you meditate upon God's word, the Holy Spirit helping you as you're reading along makes things illuminates things for you, kind of highlights things. Something you'll read something and 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 you know, when you're reading something will go oh wow or it'll just stick out to you and it's always good to write that down and record that uh, and that thought that you have in that moment of this is what I believe God is saying through this or this really stuck out to me today. And so we just, we highlight those things in the podcast encouraging you to do the same thing. And we say this all the time. We want you to send us your comments. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and next year we're going to have, I think we'll, we're going to work harder to have guests. We, we, we started down that path. Yeah. Uh, COVID kind of, um, mess that up a little bit, but we're going to really work hard to bring guests back into the podcast. But my first reading, uh, the first thing that stuck out to me is in Proverbs chapter 30, uh, verse 7. It says, two things I ask of you, don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, Mm. saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God, mm. I, you know, I, I, uh, re- so often I, when people talk about money, uh, they'll say these words, they'll say, I just want enough to pay my bills. That's all I want. Just mm. want enough where I don't have to worry about money. And that's really what the pro- the writer of Proverbs is saying here. He's yeah. saying that, uh, when we pray, uh, we're talking to God and asking God for what we need, not to desire to be wealthy, not to desire to be poor, but, uh, but to have what we need. Here's here's the thing that I think goes wrong with us is, uh, and I this is me talking about me for sure. I I honestly I firmly believe that God gives me exactly what I need, and I believe He does it for every single person. You have exactly what you need. The problem is I take that money. It's kind of like when my dad would give me lunch money, and I would go to school, and there would be other things to buy with that lunch money before I ever got to lunch, mm-hmm. and then I get to lunch. And that lunch money wasn't there anymore, <laughs> and so I didn't have it. So I'm so I'm trying to bum lunch money off other people, borrow it from other people, and then you know, then those loan sharks in grade school and high school, <laughs> whatever, charging exorbitant interest rates and so forth. Become part I'm of the already behind. I'm already part of the criminal underground in the cafeteria. <laughs> I um, no, I I think that uh, we we have the money in our hands, and we we think of other things that we want. And, and, and we're thinking, oh, well, I'll have extra, or this will be extra, when God is just giving us enough for everything. And now he blesses us and, you know, covers a multitude of sins and, and so forth. There's a lot of grace and abundance and overflow. And I think there, there, are, there are things that he gives us in abundance. But, uh, but the reality is, is you can't really say, I don't have money for this, if you know that you spent the money you had for that on something else, don't blame God for that. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Um, the wisdom is just uh, being a good steward of the resources that we have. I I keep telling myself this. This is a good every Christmas thing to remember. <laughs> don't because uh, we we get sucked into it. We get sucked into buying things we don't need to buy, going places we don't need to go, getting extra things that we don't need to get, eating places that are a little more expensive, mm-hmm. getting an extra entree or appetizer. Uh, and, and eating out is a great example because um, we order food that is way more. I mean, my wife and I could split an entree mm. and be absolutely full and mm. be fine. But when you have uh, food left enough to box up and take home, you order too much food. That's right. 
Um, I do that every year this time of year with the McRib. I don't need a whole oh, McRib yeah. meal. I cannot believe you. With another one for a dollar. Went down the McRib route. Oh, man. You're a McRib guy. Every year, multiple oh. times. And it's so hard to go through the drive-thru and well, it's is staring it true, in the is, face. Is it true the McRib has been gone for like several years? Did they pull it out? Somebody said that. I've had it like three times this year. I don't. Maybe they did. But I, I mean, I, but they take it away for periods of time. Yeah, it's just yeah. a Christmas yeah. to early January thing. Okay. But somebody said like last year they didn't have it. Uh, that may be true. Okay. Now, I, I don't keep track. Because I absolutely detest the McRib sandwich. I can't believe you. Oh, it is. I I can't. I can think of words to describe <laughs> it. But I I think I will I will agree with this. You love it or you hate it. You love I, it or you I hate it. I don't see a lot of people ambivalent about the uh, McRib. Nope. Nope. Yeah. I like ribs. Uh, and but so little plug for the ribs there. Yeah. Rib. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so. funny. That's crazy. You you mentioned this this quote. I've been giving um, David credit for this quote for years. And then you notice it wasn't. David. And I noticed it was, in <laughs> fact, Agur, son of Jacka, the Oracle. Yeah. I'm just gonna keep saying David. It's a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, the words of Agur. 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 Anyway. You know, like Agur says. <laughs> uh, oh, that's cool. Well, good. Awesome. Yeah. Um, good. Right for Christmas time. Right there for Christmas time, man. Um. I pulled out some something from Jonah, and it's it's not a long book, so my thing's kind of just from the whole book. Uh, if you're, and, and in our reading, you get to the whole book in one reading. In one reading, yeah. so and it's it's pretty chill reading, like, um, but it doesn't end happy. I'm used to books having kind of a happy ending. You know, mm. Esther was pr- pretty chill. Daniel had a pretty chill ending, and mm. um, you know, the Gospels are always happy to read through. But Jonah is like, he's just a depressed dude who didn't want to do what God said, and God, you just fought him the whole time. Right. Uh, but I wrote this down um, with Jonah. Um, you know, he's up on, you know, the at least in the VeggieTales version, he's up on the hill looking down <laughs> at Nineveh, slapping yeah. each other with fish. Yeah. And um, and he's just a depressed guy um, because he won't forgive. Like, he won't let it go that how evil and wicked they were. In the VeggieTales version, is the worm like a character? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like Heimlich or something. Yeah, gotcha. um, with a <laughs> sound. Yeah, there you go. Um, but I just wrote down, unforgiveness is a cancer that eats away at your joy until you become like Jonah, not even wanting life any longer. It has to be mercilessly cut out if we hope to have any joy. Mm. And man, like, and what that takes for me, and this is now, I didn't write this down, I'm just talking now, but um, it just takes so much humility. And I, I think a lot of times more humility than I care to muster to to forgive somebody because that lets them in a way like in my mind it lets them win mm. and and I'm rarely wrong in my own eyes you know like I have to be brought really low to to really truly think that I was wrong in any kind of like dispute um but to like forgive somebody else like the way God forgives us mm. feels like admitting guilt um I don't think it necessarily must be that because God can forgive us without admitting guilt uh, for himself, mm-hmm. um, but but man, it's just so hard. It feels like I'm losing something, and I'm, I don't know anyone that likes to lose. Um, but right. it's just going to keep eating and eating and eating away at us, like that worm that took down the tree. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's just gonna it's just gonna hurt us, and we're gonna get exposed to torment and suffering and um, like the harsh wind in Jonah. You know, there's analogies all over the place. Right. Um, so anyway, that's what I got, Jonah. It's just unforgiveness will just kill you. Yeah, uh, or you make you want to kill yourself. Um, and I, uh, it is a. Uh, <laughs> I love how it ends with uh, there are what 120,000 people, yeah. and 
a lot of cows or something like that, or, or and not not a few not a few head of cattle or something yeah, like that. Right. But it's like, oh yeah, <laughs> don't forget the cows, Jonah. <laughs> Do you want me to destroy a place that has a lot of good beef there? Um, I bet they had good McRibs. <clears throat> that's right. <laughs> I bet they had real McRibs. <laughs> um, the, the the thing there too is that uh, you know one of the things when I would always read or hear the story of Jonah when I was younger is think why would why would anybody want those people to die you know and when you then read later about what the Ninevites did I mean they're the Assyrians and what they what they did to the Israelites and and the torment that they brought to them and the pain that they brought upon that nation uh, you could see you could imagine uh, when you have somebody who's being uh, it's hard for us to imagine because we're not a war-torn country. We don't have those kind of things happening here. But we could we see that those atrocities happening. It it would be very much like the Nazis. Uh, it, it is a Corrie Ten Boom kind of story, you know, of, of of forgiveness of of the atrocities that the Germans inflicted upon the Jewish people during the Holocaust, and then to have a Jewish prophet rise up and was supposed to go share redemption with the with the Nazis. That would that's just almost unfathomable. Yeah. You can you can understand why he would want them to be punished mm-hmm. for what they did. Uh, and God extended them a hand of mercy, which is and he, and he knew that God was merciful. He knew that God would it would extend that to them. And so he didn't want to take that message to him. But when you read the other minor prophets, uh, they you realize that God did judge them. They did he was not kind to the Assyrians in the end uh, that he did pour out his wrath upon them. And they did, they did get judged for the things, the atrocities that they had brought. This was a reprieve, an effort, an extension of his love and grace. But eventually they turned away again and, yeah. and God. Uh, but, but it does show us that God does give us every opportunity to, uh, to, be, uh, to repent. But if we don't take those opportunities... Um, his his wrath still stands. Yeah, and there's like no example in the Bible that I can immediately think of where, you know, the the evil powers were not given a chance. Yeah, uh, because he is a god of mercy. Yeah, you got and, Egypt, and, and and we get that too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you were saying they had Egypt, yeah, Egypt, Babylon, uh, yeah. Persia. You know, all these. You go through each one that's mm-hmm. hostile to Israel, and they're all given multiple chances. Yeah, and and he uses them as a tool to to carry out his will, and then but then is like, but then you went too far. Mm-hmm. You did what I wanted you to do, and then you kept going. Yeah, and now you're gonna pay for that as well. Yep. So hmm. good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, mine is from the book of Revelation. Ah! And chapter six, and wow, um, in chapter six, the seals are being opened, and these aren't the kind that bark and you see at SeaWorld. Mm. These are the seals that um, are are opened up, uh, decrees, proclamations of wrath uh, that are being poured out uh, by God. And, um, and the sixth seal, when he opens this, uh, he's gone through the horsemen of the apocalypse, and uh, and then and then and what they are ushering in. Uh, this we call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse because uh, it is the end of the age. Uh, apocalypse, by the way, just uh, comes from the word revelation. It actually is the Greek word yeah. for revelation. It's uh, some people think it means the end of the world. It actually means like to re- uncover. Right. It, yeah. To to reveal. Yeah. yeah. Um, hence. Revelation, uh, but uh, the but that but the it does have a connection to the end of the world because the 
the reveal is, here's how the world's going to end. Um, but he says in verse 12, he says, Then I saw him open the sixth seal. A violent earthquake occurred. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of hair. The entire moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved from its place. Then the kings of earth, the nobles, the generals, the rich, the powerful, and every slave and free person hid in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb, because the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand. It is it is supposed to strike fear in our hearts uh, and supposed to be worse than any uh, movie you've ever watched on TV. But I get this. We have a lot of apocalyptic type movies, but I get this deep impact kind of thing going in my head uh, when I read through that. Because it's, it's I mean, you read the language and it's funny because we have movies that depict these type of things. I can actually visualize that if, if we did have meteors coming to the earth or whatever, it would look like the stars were falling from, mm-hmm. I mean, we call mm-hmm. that, that's what we call falling yeah, stars. Right. Um, but if you can imagine, uh, did you ever see the movie Dinosaur with yeah. your kids? When oh, yeah. all those meteors are coming oh, down. Right. So that's kind of, the, and it's just and ra- everywhere and everybody's running and people are dying or, or dinosaurs are dying. But, um, but still, um, there is this cataclysmic nature and, and our world has this appearance of having had this happen in its history. Uh, and so definitely I believe it, it can happen, but, um, it just, um, uh, it's interesting to me that the idea that he was sharing 2000 years ago is still the imagery that we have in our heads today and still think this is how the world, uh, would probably end. Uh, but it's, uh, the one thing is for sure, nothing less than the dissolution of the world, uh, is going to move us to repentance. Uh, and, and the thing is that even in the midst of this, uh, either either people turn to God or they run in fear and hide. And, uh, and that's what you see. You see a lot of people running from fear and hiding. And Oswald Chambers, who wrote up My Utmost First Highest, points out that the, he says, we know the wrath of the lion aspect of God. Uh, he said, but here we have the wrath of the lamb. And he said that the, the paradox of just that statement of a, a lamb, you think of an innocent lamb, but but Jesus also obviously being the lamb of God as the Messiah coming as the sacrificial lamb now is coming back with this vengeance. So, so we have this soft kids coming up to him and sitting in his lap and Jesus talking to them, healing everybody, um, the suffering servant vision of Jesus but Revelation gives us this, uh, he's going to come back and he's going to bring judgment and wrath upon the world and um, restore everything. It is, uh, and it is his his right to do that. It, it should motivate us to be obedient. Its intended purpose is to make you think, I'm sorry, God, what I did. You know, I don't, I don't have to stretch very far to think of that. Because uh, one, my parents would inflict fear upon me when I was growing up, and I can remember thinking when I would get caught. But even now, when God does things, uh, when when nature gets kind of shifty, uh, when you have that kind of wonder if a tsunami's headed your way or a tornado might strike your house or whatever, and you get that kind of thoughts of, um, 
All right, God, just if there's anything not right between you and me, I'd like to <laughs> make that right. right. I'd like now. to take some vows. <laughs> Going back to Jonah, that's what they were doing. They said the the crewmen were making vows before God, you know, and offering sacrifices and incense <laughs> to the God who, uh, because it, they were so terrified. And then when and then they were terrified to throw Jonah overboard, and then they did, and everything calmed down, and instantly they're like, oh hey, his God's real. <laughs> this is a real deal. Well, that's what people do uh, in these type of moments. We we make bargains with God, and because He evokes fearing us it only counts though it only matters if uh, if it really does turn our hearts back toward him if it really does draw him like i said we're either going to run from him in fear and hide and pray for the rocks to fall on us just to end it or we uh, repent mm. and uh and may god help us all to be those who um repent but i i just i don't i used to feel that i wanted people to get what they deserved uh, and as I get older and a little bit softer, I guess, uh, and probably a better understanding of his word and better understanding of the compassion of God and his mercy of God. I, was, I guess I was more like Jonah, uh, again, back to Jonah again early on. But now I, I really, I just, I hate it for people who mm. can't seem to find uh, the ability to turn to him because I, I really believe that he, I don't think they understand that when we say, we share the gospel with people, we really do believe that his wrath is going to be poured out. We do believe it's going to be horrible. We believe hell is a horrible place. And uh, we we believe the punishment of God is real. And and so when we're sharing the good news of Christ with people, it really is a begging, an earnestness of, I, I just don't want you to, to experience this. Mm. you know. So um, I think we need more of that. I think we need more people, yeah. more of our hearts to break for the lost. For sure. Yep. Well, it's crazy you mentioned that because mine's basically identical. Oh, well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at it from a, uh, my childhood perspective mm. um you ever seen and listeners you ever see the the lion king where uh, in liking one yeah uh, where um timon and pumbaa are arguing about whether or not to take little uh, little simba in under their wing and um and t- you know they're both trying to like outsmart the other and timon said and pumbaa says well but what if he's on our side when he gets bigger? Because <laughs> yeah. Timon's like he's gonna eat us, right? <laughs> uh, and Pumbaa says, "Well, what, what if what if he's on our side?" Right. And uh, Timon kind of, you know, does what he does, and he's he takes Pumbaa's idea, and he's like, "Wait a second, I've got an idea. What if he's on our side?" And that's what I'm I'm reading in Joel three mm. uh, sixteen. It says, "The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth tremble." But the Lord is a refuge for his people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Mm. Is it like what you were saying? It's like yeah. you got this this lion of a thing Mm-mm. that's gonna just completely do justice to the world. Right. And and we do not want to be around when that happens. <laughs> um and this is the scary thing. The whole world's gonna end and he's gonna be right. the one doing it. And but but what if he's on our side? That's right. You know? And and the the crazy thing is is that he is. Like yeah. he, he's, he's on our, he's, he's for us. He's, That's he's, right. he's with his people. And, and yeah, when we come to him, like we, we get that lamb side, we get that gentle, mm. like, like come to me and I'm going to do justice, not to you because I've already done justice on your behalf mm. to myself, to my son. I'm going to do justice now everywhere else on sin. And, and man, it's like, how great to be in that protective embrace when the lion is fighting everything else. Mm. It's like, whoo! Yeah. I, I'm just to be on his back. 
Yes, <laughs> yeah, to be exactly. on his back. You've seen Narnia, right? Yeah, exactly. The, That's what I this is a picture Lucy's, I had, yeah. Lucy's riding him, and he's just slaughtering the enemy army. Aslan. And it's this little girl riding on his back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, he tears the face off the white. It's crazy. It's mm. a great image. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm thinking of the Lion King in that yeah. in that moment. But man, there's so many good analogies. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love it. Yep. Yeah. All right, the preacher and me can't let something go. We don't actually. He's doesn't. He's not on our side. No, no, no. We are. We are on his side. We're on his side. Yeah. He's for yeah. us. Yeah. Is, I know it's a Jesus juke moment. But yes. I no. Was, I know. I know. <laughs> I, I heard it coming out of my own mouth. But, but I, I, thought, I was gonna let it go, and I thought, but it's recorded. It's I'll, recorded. I'll have to listen to it over and over Doctrine. and over again. I know. No, yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah. You know what I mean, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I just. So. I. I know you know. I know. I yes. know. I just wasn't sure they knew. They. They have to <laughs> yeah. know that. Yeah. The Timon quote isn't exactly applicable. That's correct. To biblical doctrine, we do. Uh, I, I thought of Joshua, where he asked yes. the angel of the Lord, "You know, whose I'm side are you on?" Any, not on your yeah, side. Not on your side. Not on anybody's <laughs> side. Right. On the Lord. And, and Tony Evans, a preacher down in Texas, used to say, uh, "Jesus does not ride the back of donkey, donkeys or elephants. He doesn't come to take sides. He comes to take over." So. Hey. I always love that. So. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, that's uh, a. Right. We we looked at some passages. We're gonna come back and answer some questions. Yeah. All right, we are back. Final segment of the year. Yes, asking some questions. Big, hard-hitting questions. Yes, because we know that these questions are things that are on people's minds, and if we don't answer them, they can't enjoy Christmas. It'll be ruined. (laughs) Christmas will be ruined because they can't answer these (laughs) questions. They'll make a Hallmark movie out of it about Revelation. That's right, and Jonah. So, uh, so what do you want to hit first? You want to hit Jonah? You want to hit Revelation? Let's hit. We'll hit Jonah first. The question is, can a man be uh, can a man be eaten by fish or yeah, swallowed sure, by fish right. and, and survive? Has that ever happened? And and what we don't uh, there are some rumors. If you all you have to do is Google, I can't remember the guy's name, Samuel or something. I, can't, I don't even, I don't want to pretend to remember his name. <laughs> anyway, there's a guy who apparently in the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s was it's the stuff of legend, and it's exactly that. It's just legend. There's mm-hmm. r- not a lot of proof to to uh, support it. Um, but anyway, they talk about it a lot, uh, and and then you have a lot of people. Um, who will make some type of biological evidence for how this could take place and whatever. Um, But then you have a lot of people who will challenge that and say there's no oxygen in the stomach of a fish. Uh, He can't breathe. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the acids in the stomach of a fish, uh, they break down the, the biology of a shark stomach. The whale Which, shark and we've all seen Pinocchio. We know you can survive on a raft. <laughs> you, you can get inside a, a big, a giant sperm. <laughs> but they said that if you actually look at the size of the, this, the size of the throat, you mm-hmm. know that they look at and mm-hmm. so forth. But here, here are some things that we do know. We do know that uh, they've had giant fish, fish the size of a man hanging off the side of a ship, and a shark has jumped up and swallowed the thing whole. Mm. And when you caught the shark and opened it up, there it was, still inside, um, uh, alive or not alive, whatever. Uh, we've uh, there. The uh, first of all, you can we we know that a fish could swallow uh, an entire man. Uh, then, yeah, you get into the oxygen. Could they gulp enough air into their stomach? How would the air get into their stomach? It's possible to swallow. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you've ever swallowed air, you can swallow air. Yeah. It's all all these things are possible. But here's the thing: what it comes down to, in, in my experience, is I had a, a time where I was sitting with people on a Wednesday night, and I just asked them. I said, "Do you guys believe these things are true?" And they just admit it. We really struggle with this. I don't. I don't understand how a fish could swallow. I don't really believe that happened. I believe it was a story invented. Mm. Blah blah blah. And this is my response. So, what do you believe about the resurrection? Mm. Because that one's a tough 
That's pretty tough to explain. Tough <laughs> you know, because I don't know about you, but I've never been to a funeral where a man came back from the dead. Mm. It's never happened. Uh, and and not only just came back from the dead, but resurrected and then lived forever. Mm. And yet that is our entire faith hinges upon that miracle. Now, I do believe that hundreds of people witnessed that event. And the person who was a part of that event, the person who said he was going to die and resurrect from the dead, and then who did it in front of hundreds of people and then ate with them and drank with them and, and, and celebrated with them and then ascended into heaven in front of their eyes and said he's coming again, that person talked about Jonah and did not dispute that he was swallowed by a fish. Uh, Daniel and I were talking earlier that uh, was it a whale, was it a fish? I don't think the distinction between mammals and fish was that distinct in Jonah's time. I don't, I don't think the classification system was that important. So absolutely, could it be a whale? It was the, the, but the words that we're using uh, do, do imply fish, uh, which is why we use the word fish and not whale. But the... Um, but could were there fish back then? I know there's lots of fish that are extinct now. Sure. Uh, so absolutely. Uh, but whatever the case, just like there was a star that pointed people to Christ, I believe there was a fish that was appointed for Jonah that God had, and he swallowed him, and God made a way for Jonah to survive within the belly. If, if God can make, and Jesus uses the story of Jonah to illustrate his own resurrection, and so if God can have somebody in the grave dead for three days mm. and then bring him back to life, he absolutely can have somebody in the belly of fish. He literally could resurrect Jonah from the dead and have him spit up on the um, on the shore. So uh, so it's not, not a question of if God could do it. The, the question really is how did God do it? And we really don't need to know how because the point of the story is, is that it was God – uh, superintending the process of getting Jonah where he needed to be. The, the power of the story is you can't run from God. He comes and gets you, <laughs> swallows you with a fish and spits you up on the shore and says, now let's get back to where we, let's get back to square one. You tried to run. I'm going to go get you. They throw you off the ship and uh, swallow you with a fish, spit you on the shore. Now let's do it. Now, and uh, I remember somebody pointing out, uh, that's a pretty compelling image. Mm. A man who's just been vomited out by a fish and having yeah. all that. Think of how he looks, smelled, and Jeez. and so he comes walking through your city saying repent. Yeah, you'd be, you'll take that. Absolutely. You'll listen to that. So, well, anyway. I'm, and I'm thinking like, you know, it said this when the sun beat down on his head mm-hmm. and he like wanted to die at that point. Yeah. The dude lives in the Middle East. You know how bad <laughs> could it be? But if your skin is eaten by stomach acid, true, that would kill. That's that would. If you are freshly out of the belly yeah. of a fish. Uh, you're bleached a little bit. That's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. Um, revelation question. Um, because any like honest Christian that reads the Bible mm-hmm. and says um, and sees the New Testament authors saying we are living in the last days mm. cannot help but wonder. It is. It was not the last days back yeah. then. Um, yeah. And we we hope it's the last days kind of now in some ways. Right. Um, but obviously, if if they thought they were living in the last days. They were right. kind of wrong. So what? Like, explain that like dichotomy for me. Yeah, the uh, the idea of the last days is when you think of a uh, dispensations of time, uh, and and we we broke up uh, our actual calendar with this distinction uh, of, of before Christ BC and then 
uh, Anno Domine, which is in the year of our Lord in Latin, uh, which is A.D. Uh, people change it to other things before the common era and the common era, before whatever. Before COVID. Uh, before COVID, exactly. Uh, but uh, but the dividing line in history is all that happened before Jesus came and then all that's happened after Jesus come, came. When Jesus came, he ushered in the kingdom of God, and, and we use this expression in theology called an already not yet tension, meaning his kingdom has come, but it's not yet complete. Uh, and and so when you're thinking of the concept of last days, it means these are we're always it, it was a, a mindset that we, that God has incorporated into our psyche that Paul had and that we have um, very justifiably so because it it helps us remember we're we have a mission to fulfill and it is coming to a close now how do you how do you stretch that over 2000 years uh i i think of it like this and not to get too far on this but I, 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 if you look at how the gospel came into the world in the middle east and so forth and then has gone into africa and into europe and has been consistently sweeping westward uh, and we really had made very little impact. I know William Carey and others went to India, and, and there's some uh, there's some mission in Asia, but not really the impact as we had going westward, and then coming into the New World, into North America, South America, and now. In this time, you see this impact of Asia. You see the church growing uh, wildly in uh, in China and in India and um, in South Korea, obviously. Um, South Korea sending missionaries back over here. You see, but you see the gospel moving all the way around the world, uh, and that is what God is doing. He is He is He is completing this last segment of what Christ said needed to be done, which is getting the gospel to every all tribes and tongues, giving everyone the opportunity that need to hear the gospel uh, to hear the gospel. But uh, when you think of it, uh, Keith Green had a ministry called Last Days Ministries, and one of the reasons why we always feel like we are in the last days is because of the temporal nature of our lives and the death that comes from it. If we, we, the people in the Old Testament were looking forward to a Messiah being brought so that then he would come and establish his kingdom and that all this would be brought in order. We believe that Messiah has come. And so he's already been here. The kingdom is being ordered and he is preparing a place for us. But still, that temporal. So now, our temporal nature in our life, when we may put our faith in Jesus Christ and are saved by Him, uh, we really are. We've already stepped into eternity. We already know the plan. Uh, it's really just. Uh, it's now semantics as far as how long is that? Uh, you know, because uh, Peter uses language like a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day, and and he was sharing that to give people. He's like, look, this is this doesn't time doesn't mean anything to God. He's eternal. What, what what we're talking about is this period of time that we are in, as in this is the closing segment. This is the end. There's no more new revelation being given. In the Old Testament, you're waiting for Jesus and the Messiah, and the Messiah comes, and, and then letters are written and so forth. The Gospels are given to us about his life, the Acts of the Apostles, and then this final revelation. Um, even in that, though, uh, some of the things that are being talked about have occurred and and ended meaning the the temple was destroyed that was the end of that the you have jerusalem uh was burned to the ground and everybody all the jews were forced out so when you think of last days it has multiple i mean it was it was their last days it was the last days of of that life that they were experiencing and so we all have this kind of feeling of what we have right now is not going to continue 
that these are our last days of experiencing this. And I believe God intends for it to be that way because it keeps us pushing the gospel further and further and further uh, so that more people can hear about Christ, so that more people... I mean, we've, we've been on the Titanic for a long time. Mm. It's, it's taken a long time for it to sink, but there's no doubt it is still sinking. And, uh, and we are still trying to get people into lifeboats and, and to safety. So. Cool. Wonderful. Well, hey, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast for the last year... Thank you. Hey, this yes, is, thank you for being a part. And thank you, Troy. Like, this has been awesome. Uh, it's going to repeat again next year, of course. Yeah. But, um, man, this has been With, a fun And we're, fun we're starting to fine-tune this a little bit. I think we're, so. We're figuring it out a little bit. Yeah. You go back and listen to those first podcasts. It's a little rough. Yeah, we're, we're, it's a lot better now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we've improved. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm excited about what we're going to do next year. I think yeah. I think we've got, uh, I think, a better a better pattern of getting our goal is to get more people reading the word mm-hmm. more people excited about what it has to share and so we're gonna uh we hope that you'll join us in that thanks again for listening to the understanding jesus podcast put on by first baptist church of jackson if you would like more information you can find us online on our website at firstbaptistjackson.com you can email us at daniel at firstbaptistjackson.tv Or you can find us on social media, First Baptist Jackson on Facebook and FBCJMO on Instagram. We've got a lot of content in all of those places, and we would love to hear your questions on the content that we cover. If you would like to be a part of the podcast, you can email us and message us at any of those ways, or you can call the church office at 573-243-8415, and we would love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.